Well, very good, very good. You may be seated. What a joy to welcome each other warmly, to greet each other. It's amazing what happens when the sun comes out in Oregon. The joy of the Lord just overflows. Uh, The weeds spring up in rapid pace. Uh, The animals come out and celebrate and just, you see them all over. And uh, it's just a great, great time of the year. And this uh, spring season, this weather we're enjoying right now, I know is a delight for so, so many. And it's so good to see you here. Whether it's your first time at Northwest Hills or your thousandth time, we welcome you warmly. And we're so glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest, this is your first time, or maybe your first time in a long time, I would love an opportunity to meet you. I'll be right over at that black table after the service, and I kind of hang out there for a little while, and it's a great and easy place for you to come by. And uh, I met two new families uh, at our earlier service that are guests with us from Philomath, and uh, they were just delightful folks. And it was a pleasure for me to meet them and to get to know them and to give them a personal and warm welcome. And I would love to do the same for you. We're so glad you're here. If you've been gone for a while, maybe busy and you're back, a warm welcome. So good to see you. We pray the message, the worship, the friendship, the new friends you can make, all of it together will be a real encouragement to your heart and your life. Today we find our place in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, we'll start in verse 17. We are three weeks out from Easter Sunday. And when you think about it, Easter Sunday changes everything. And that's the understatement of the day. It is an absolutely game-changing day, Easter Sunday. And every Sunday that we gather as the church, we really are celebrating those Easter and resurrection realities. For Easter Sunday is the completion in the arch of Christianity. When the Lord Jesus walked out of that tomb in his bodily and through and with his bodily resurrection, he placed really the capstone in the arch of Christianity. We had paused on that Friday before, known as Good Friday, and what did we do on that day? We reflected on the cross, on the fact that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. On that Good Friday and at that Good Friday service, we contemplated that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What a gift. I say it's the greatest love gift that was ever given. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then we sort of uh, navigated Silent Saturday and we came to the resurrection Sunday morning and celebrating the bodily resurrection of Jesus and everything changes. He was exactly who he said he was. He is exactly who he said he is. And you know what? As individuals, as men, women, boys, and girls, we have to come face to face now with this resurrected Lord. And you have to answer the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. What will you do with Jesus? There's no more important question. For your answer to that question will determine not only your uh, scope of your life this side of eternity, but will determine exactly where you will spend all of your eternity. What will you do with Jesus? For those who believe, he changes everything. 
And we've been learning uh, that he brings those who are spiritually dead to spiritual life. We saw that together in our study of Ephesians 2 and Romans 5. And we learned that um, as a result of uh, inheriting a sin nature from our great, 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 great grandfather Adam, we sin as a result. And by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But we're so thankful that we've learned that by one man's righteousness, many can be made alive. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus, the one that walked out of that tomb, is the perfect individual, the one person who has the authority and the ability to take people who are, yes, very much physically alive and yet spiritually dead and make them fully, spiritually, from the inside out, alive in him. He's alive, and because he is risen, you can be alive, and one day you can go live with him for all eternity. And he's the only person that can do that. I love the absolute bold, compelling, riveting, absolutely provocative words of Jesus that are given in the book of John. They're not John talking about Jesus. They're Jesus's words when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but through me. There is no other way for men, women, boys, and girls to be rightly related to a holy God, to be made fully alive with God and right with God than through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the one who can give you life. We learned last week from that amazing passage over in Romans chapter 6 that obviously just builds right on to Romans chapter 5 that there's some things that we have to know once we're made alive in him. That we're no longer a slave to sin, but we are now alive to Christ. And we have a capacity that we once did not have. You see, all of these realities exist in the shadow of the resurrection. All because of the resurrection, we can be made alive. We can know that we're alive. We now have a capacity to say no to sin and yes to God. No to our way, yes to his way. And everything begins to change as each and every day we grow with him, we yield our life to him. We yield our life to him. And he leads, guides, and directs us. And what a powerful truth that is. He uses the amazing Holy Spirit of God to do that. For God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come to die for us, to come out of that tomb for us. In him, we're fully alive. The moment that we believe in that work, that finished work of Jesus, that gospel, that good news, 1 Corinthians 15, what happens? He saves us. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. And he helps us. He shows us more of Christ. He shines a spotlight into the word of God for us and illuminates the scriptures that we can begin to really grow and see and know the joy of living a life of obedience to God and his word. And the spirit's there to prompt us and to lead us and nudge us and guide us and direct us and show us more and more of the results of the reality of being alive in Christ. And this is exactly where Ephesians chapter four brings us to. And the Apostle Paul shows us in HD clarity what this yielding process and this growing process really begins 
to look like. You know, it's directly, if you don't mind to throw it up real quick, our mission statement, first of all there, Dave, it's directly connected to our heartbeat here at Northwest Hills. Our passion is to love our neighbors and to learn together how to know and to live like Jesus. We want to know him and we want to live like him. Once we know some things, there is a whole world of things for us to continue to learn to know so that we can learn to live like him. And in living like him, we step right into that John 10, 10 reality of a life to the full. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have life to the full. What in the world does that look like, Pastor Mike? As we move away from that empty tomb, alive, we move away from that empty tomb and we see its realities. We count ourselves dead to sin, alive to Christ. Holy Spirit has taken up residence. We yield to him and we learn how to live like Jesus. That's why Paul says in verse 17, back to our scriptures, with the Lord's authority, I say this. I love this next word, live. You're alive, you can live now. No longer dead in trespasses and sins, alive in Christ. You can live, live no longer as the Gentiles do. These are some nice words about us Gentiles here. For they are hopelessly confused. Wow. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And you go, wow, this is not the most uh, favorable picture. I love that passage in the scriptures where Paul again says, and such were some of you. Remember that? But, but, But you were what? You were washed. And Jesus changes everything when we come face to face with him and these resurrection realities and we live in the light of them. But that wasn't what you learned about Christ. And the church said to that, amen, right? That's not what we learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Dave, if you'll go back to our mission statement, did you catch that? And you have learned the truth that comes from him. That's what we want to do. We want to learn together how to know and live like Jesus. We want to learn some new things from him about how to be rightly related to God and how to live our life in a Christ-honoring way so that we can know the joy of a life to the full. There it is. So how do we do that? How do we live like him? How do we bring these resurrection realities and this power and this new life And these things that we're now alive to and dead to at work in our daily life, here's where we're going to get right into it. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, here it is, verse 22, throw away. Some of your translations probably say put off, throw off, put off, set aside, be done with your old sinful nature and your former way of life. And that's why we have been building in our life series these steps because that's exactly what we learned from Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6, that we now have some new realities. We're now dead to sin 
and alive to Christ. Before you met Christ, you were what? Spiritually dead to a reality of a right relationship with God. You know what Jesus does? He flips the script. And now you have an absolute new set of music to play off of. And you're now alive in Christ and dead to sin. So you no longer have to say yes to sin. You can now say no to it and you can say yes to God. What a joy. What a game changer. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, by the way, here's a little bit of a buffer verse we're going to come back and touch. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes as you, verse 24, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Oh, my word. You now have the capacity. And here is the illustration. It's best illustrated by a garment. If we would look at the original language, it is uh, sort of illustrated by taking off a garment. And we're walking around before Christ and we're just cloaked, we're covered with, we're just... We're just encased by our old sinful nature and all of that sinful nature and its resulting sins. Remember what we Gentiles did when we were in our darkness and and hopelessly confused, minds full of darkness, wandering far from the life God gives, closed minds, hard hearts, no sense of shame, living for lustful pleasure and eagerly practicing all kinds of sins. And that's what your relatives have told me about you before you accepted Christ. I've asked them. They said, you wouldn't believe what they did. You guys are shocking. I'm teasing. That's what everybody did apart from Christ. And you know what? It's not too terribly different when you look at the pictures and the portraits. But when we're alive in Christ, we no longer have to live that way. We have a new name, a new hope, a new home, a new path. Everything has changed from the inside out. You know what Paul says? It's time through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you, the truth of the word of God that's guiding you, it is time to put off those old man ways. To make the determined decision through the power of the Spirit to set aside those old man ways. Take them off, lay them down, put them off. You no longer have to live that way. Instead, boy, thank you, Pastor Josh. He loaned me a second jacket and I'm not gonna try to put this on. Instead, you do what? You put on your new man ways. Good Lord, are you nine? I wore a jacket like that when I was 10 years old. My gracious. You put on your new man ways. I'm new in Christ. I'm cloaked in his righteousness and in true holiness. He's changed everything and I clothe myself in that. You know what, church? That exactly happened positionally the moment that you were saved. Oh, it's a wonderful truth from Romans 5. That is our justification. The moment that you believed, the moment that you invited and opened up the greatest loved gift, his name is Jesus for yourself, that very moment you were forgiven of all of your sins, past, present, and future. And you were cloaked in the righteousness of Christ and God now sees your life through Christ. What a picture. And that is a positional reality 
that should absolutely be the breath of heaven to your soul. But we know that practically and functionally, there is this process where we begin to grow. That is our sanctification where we have to go and grow. And in our life, what happens? Everything begins to change from the inside out as we put off and we put on. And we're working in Philippians chapter two, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's this sacred partnership between the Holy Spirit of God, the word of God and your life. And he changes you from the inside out. Everything changes Positionally, it's true and full and free and wonderful. Practically, there's a process of spiritual growth that we go on. And I was visiting with folks between the service who said, Pastor Mike, I can't believe how far God has brought me in growing in my life. But the more I've grown, the more I realize I've yet to grow. And he shows me new areas and new depths and new dimensions. And I started getting some of the external things right. And then he starts probing in my heart about motives and attitudes and holy cow, more to grow and go. And there's a process involved. And that process is called what church? Putting off and putting on. When we were lost in our trespasses and sin, we only had one coat rack to work off of. But now that we've been forever changed and be made alive by Christ, we have a no, now an all who no set of clothes that we can use and we can have at our disposal to cover and to cloak our life with and how wonderful they are. My dad was the last person saved in our family. And I can remember very well when I was saved, my mom was saved, my dad was not yet saved. And, um, and his life had not been changed by Christ yet. And And uh, behind the uh, seat of his GMC pickup truck was a fifth of whiskey. Um, I would sit at his office where he ran a a large office and I would be waiting to get to go home. I'd wait there after school until he was done then we would go home and there would be angry exchanges with employees and, and angry words and sometimes foul language. Not yet redeemed and changed yet. Still a life cloaked by a result and a reality of a heart that had never been impacted by the love of Christ. And then to see him come to faith in Christ and to slowly but surely over the days and the weeks and the months that would follow, to see everything begin to change. And all of a sudden, old man ways are put off and new man ways are emerging. And Jesus, through the power of his word and the spirit, is revolutionizing a life from the inside out. And what a beautiful picture this is. Put off your old man ways. Put on your new man ways. Swindoll says, put off your grave clothes. Put on your grace clothes. Everything has changed. When you put off and put on, can I show you what happens? It's pretty powerful. Verse 23 is what happens. Your mind is renewed. That's how our mind and our attitude is renewed as we go through this process of putting off and putting on. Did you catch that? What's it say in verse 23? Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You know what? That's very, very important because that's where all of these changes that will occur really begin with your thoughts and your attitudes about how you should live your life. 
That's why the Bible says in Corinthians, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It all starts right here. And it goes to right here. Our mind, our heart, our attitudes. That's how God works on us. He changes it all. Appetites, mind, mindsets, heart sets, attitudes, actions from the inside out. As we put off and put on because we have been made fully alive in Christ. And you and I and we have the opportunity of changing our life from what? From the inside out. Now you say, Pastor Mike, that's a really cool principle. Could there possibly be some illustrations of that or some practical applications of that that we could see in action? I'm glad you asked. Look with me in verse 25. Did you catch it? Put off, put on. A mind, a heart, attitudes, actions are renewed. What's that look like in everyday life? Verse 25, so stop telling lies. True or false, church, lying is an old man way. True or false? True, sure. Well, this is the replacement principle. If you're going to stop eating carbs because summer is coming and you want to look good when you stroll across that beach, you want to look good as you walk around the deck of that cruise ship and summer's coming and so you're going to set aside carbs what are you going to what is your plan to replace those at nine o'clock at night when you're about ready to eat the door off the pantry you got to have a replacement principle right i know what i'll do i'm going to replace these carbs i mean i'm not saying it's what i'm going to do but i mean i know what you might say you might want to do as you're preparing for that beach in mexico And I'm going to tell you, you're going to wow them down there. (laughs) And you say, what am I going to do? I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to say fooey on these carbs. I'm going to get me four almonds that I can put right here in the palm of my hand. And that'll resolve everything for me at nine o'clock at night when I'm ready to eat the door off the pantry. Fooey on these carbs. I'm going to eat four almonds and I'll be as happy as a clam at high tide. And boy, I'll be so glad I did when I get to Mexico in July. It's a replacement principle. It's a replacement principle. If you want to look good in Mexico in July, if you're tasting it in your mouth and it tastes good, spit it out and eat four almonds. That's what you've got to do. Just eat four almonds and your life's going to make perfect sense. Sad. It's really sad. What do I do? It's a replacement principle. Stop telling lies. I got to replace it with something. Or you know what will happen? When the pressure gets on, I'll steer back into those old grooves and tracks because I, I'm comfortable doing that. So I stop telling lies. You know what I replace it with? I replace it with truth telling. I replace it with truth telling. I'm going to speak the truth even when it hurts, knowing that God will honor the truth and the truth will always set me what, church? That's exactly right. There's putting off and putting on illustrated. Oh, but it's going to get better. So good. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Verse 26, here's the next illustration. Don't Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. How many husbands and wives here were up all night last night because you did not let the sun go down on your anger? No, I'm just kidding. 
No. In other words, we're not going to go to bed angry. We're not going to walk around angry. We're not going to allow unresolved issues to fester overnight into day two, into day three. That's not, that, that's old man, old lady thinking. We're not going to do that. We're, we're, we're putting that off. But what are we doing? We're putting on resolving our problems biblically. And we're going to come together. Watch this church. Oh, my goodness, easy preaching, hard living. We're going to come together, and instead of attacking each other, we're going to attack our problem, and we're going to solve our problems in a loving way, biblically, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. You can't blow up. You can't clam up. Who in here are our clamor uppers? That's just the way you roll when it gets tense at your home. You'll ice it. I'll ice him or her out. That's what I'll do. I'll show them. Clamor uppers. Where are the clamor uppers? Let me see you. We have one honest lady in here. I knew that I... I knew I liked you. That is awesome. To be that comfortable with who you are and yourself, and she just goes, yep, that's me. I deeply respect that. Where are the blower-uppers in here? Mount St. What? Yes, John, I suspected that. The Georgians are always colorful, man. They'll just let her go, absolutely. That's right. We'll just tear it open and eat a jelly donut when we're done. That's right, exactly. Yes. And you know, that's what I know about these blower-uppers. See, they just... Mounts, they just go. And the clamor uppers always appear more spiritual. Right? Oh, yeah. I can't believe what you said. If the pastor heard what you said, you're going to stand back there and run sound next Sunday after those words came out of your mouth. I cannot believe what you just said. And the Bible says don't blow up, don't clam up. Both are problematic. But here's the way you solve your problems. Ephesians 4.15, speak up the truth in love and say, we have a problem. This isn't working. I'm hurt. You're hurt. They're hurt. Whatever. There's an issue. Let's take this issue. Let's put it on the table. Let's not attack each other, but let's come together with the help of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the word of God, and let's what? Let's resolve this problem in a healthy and biblical way so that then we can hug each other and we can what? We can go put our head on the pillow and get a good night's sleep. If it takes till one o'clock, we'll stay up till one o'clock. If it takes till two, we'll stay up till two, but we're not going to just be selfish and be immature and get angry. (laughs) But we're going to what? We're going to speak up and resolve our problems biblically. That's the way redeemed people behave. And the blow-uppers are no worse than the clamor-uppers, and the clamor-uppers are no better than the blower-uppers. It's both just illegitimate ways to handle legitimate issues that come up in your relationship. Listen to me, that's easy preaching. That's hard living on a Tuesday night when there's been a problem. But that's the answer. Same way for parents with their kids. We can't just have doors slammed and just people isolated and problems not resolved. Let's come together and let's speak up the truth in love, and let's resolve our problems biblically. Church, it's not easy, but it works, and we put off this just unholy anger, and we put on biblical 
conflict resolution and problem solving so the relationships can be strengthened and move forward in holiness and love. So good from God's word. Look at the next illustration of putting off and putting on. It gets even better. What do we have? Put off and put on. Don't lie, speak the truth. Don't walk around angry and bitter. Resolve your problems biblically by speaking up the truth in love, not attacking the person, but attacking the problem. I love verse 28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, listen to this idea. Boy, this is novel. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others who are in need. Don't go steal from somebody else, but instead do what? Use your hands to work hard that you might be blessed as a result of your hard work to provide what you need. And then if you see somebody else in need, go help them as well. Put off stealing, put on hard work. Put off stealing, put on hard work. Hard work is biblical, church. Well, it gets even better. Verse 29 Don't use foul or abusive language. So foul and abusive language. Getting angry in traffic and giving people the bird. Saying horrible things to your spouse or to your kids. Getting angry and cursing at your neighbor is old man behavior. Foul and abusive language. He got quiet in here. Wow. Wow. Some of you people make a sailor blush on Tuesday, right? Yeah. The Bible says you can't talk that way. No, we've got to set aside foul and abusive language. Well, then what am I going to do when I get angry? If you take that off the table, Pastor Mike, I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? Look what we put on. We put on the garment of a 10-year-old. No, what's it say? Here's what it says. Put off foul and abusive language, but instead, look what you put on. Oh, this is precious. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear it. That's what we put on. Good, wholesome, healthy, encouraging words. Whoa. This is right where we all live every day of the week. I love not only does Paul call us to as a result of the resurrection to do what? to put off and put on, but I love the way he gives us these practical applications. Here's what this looks like in your Thursday. Don't lie, tell the truth. Don't steal, work hard. Don't be angry, solve your problems biblically. Don't use foul and abusive language. Make sure that your words speak grace and life and encouragement to the hearer. Husbands, listen to Pastor Mike. Look at Pastor Mike. Let me see your eyes, husbands. That's the way you need to speak to your wife. Wives, listen to Pastor Mike. That's the way you need to speak to your husband. Parents, that's the way you need to speak to your children. Not that there's not times you have to take a corrective line and draw a line. Absolutely. But we bring those words that are encouraging and corrective and nurturing and that moves them in the right direction in their life. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe how practical this section of scripture is. Church, I don't want you to see how it's directly connected to the resurrection. Because it's only people who've made alive 
by the alive Son of God that then have some options and some new capabilities for how to live their life so that we can say no to some things and yes to some things. So that we can put off some grave clothes and put on some grace clothes. And our language changes and our parenting changes and how we love our spouses change. How we treat our employees or employers begins to change. We become absolutely committed to truth and to loving, kind words, to resolving problems in a healthy, biblical way. It's not easy. It's work in the trenches. But the result is absolutely wonderful. And you now have the capacity to do it because of what Christ has done in your life. I like what I call the big wrap-up. It's the big wrap-up in verse 31. Say no, put off, Be done with bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. And then here's the one that sort of catches us all. As well as all types of other evil behavior. It's the big rack up. Big big rack up. He, he, He racks them all up there in the middle of the pool table. And he says what? Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. And trust me, we who are apart from Christ, when we were lost and undone in our sins, we could think up all kinds of evil behaviors. It's amazing, isn't it, what people can get themselves into. Yet when we're redeemed by the love of Christ, everything changes. And we say no to that. And we put on a brand new garment. And there's that replacement word. Instead, instead, I'm telling you, the chips are gone. Four almonds is our destiny. Lying is gone. Truth-telling is what we're determined for as a follower of Christ. Stealing is off the table. Hard work is our answer. We're going to honor the Lord with the labor of our hands. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of other evil are now off the table for the child of God. Instead, be kind to each other. There's a novel idea. Be kind to each other. Be kind to your neighbor. Be kind to your spouse. Be kind to your children. Be kind to those that are seated around you at church. Love people. Let the love of Christ shine through your life. Be kind to each other. It changes everything. I love the word in the middle. I call it the bridge word. Between kindness and forgiveness is the word be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted. That is a beautiful work of the Holy Spirit in our life. My wife is a wonderful, wonderful cook. And she has all kinds of utensils that she uses for cooking. And there's always this one utensil in that sort of cylinder holder of utensils. And it's got this big gnarly end on it. And I just look at it over there and it looks like a medieval weapon of war, you know. And it's used for tenderizing meat. And, and every time she, Jamie is tenderized, I always say, "Hun, can I do that? <laughs> and it's just so fun just to sit there and just do, 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 you know. And she'll say, that's enough, that's enough. And I'm just, this is so fun. And it just flattens out and tenderizes that meat. And 
And it's a wonderful thing. You know what I've noticed? When we come to faith in Christ, you know what the Holy Spirit does over time? He tenderizes our heart. One of the very common things I've had happen is men have come up to me, grown men's men, tough men, farming men, steel-working men. You know what this, Pastor Mike, you know, Pastor Mike, you were there when I accepted Christ. You know, Pastor Mike, I just cry all the time now. And it almost embarrasses me. I said, oh, don't be embarrassed. The Holy Spirit has tenderized your heart. A A tender heart is the bridge between being kind and being forgiving. And everything has changed as we have met Christ. Did you see that? We're not going to be angry and harsh and bitter. We're putting that off. But instead, we're putting on kindness to one another, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Sir, I'm here to announce to some man today, maybe more than one today, listen to me. It's time to forgive her. It's time. Ma'am, it's time to forgive. Parents, sometimes we get to the point with even an adult son or daughter, it's time to forgive. Why, Pastor Mike? I've gotten so comfortable with my unforgiveness, I actually now have learned how to wield it as a weapon in my relationships. It's an old man way. It's, it's an old man way. It's an old man way. Forgive one another. Well, why in the world should I do that if you only knew the whole story? Well, well, well wait a minute. Forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's all we need. Ah, oh, I see. Well, how many times should I forgive? That's funny. I love when the disciples ask that. Give us a number. We all have our limits. 70 times 7. 490 times? You and I both know that's not even the point, is it? We just keep on forgiving. You know why? Because he keeps on forgiving us. I love that passage. 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, he what? He keeps. Oh, it's a beautiful, aorist tense. Ver- excuse me, linear tense verb there. Linear. You know what? It's not, it's not just the aorist point. It's the linear verb. He keeps on forgiving, and he invites us who are his to what? To keep on forgiving. Dead alive. Grave clothes, they're being put away. The grace clothes, they're coming out. And everything is changing through the power of Christ in your life. Pastor Mike, do you know anybody that's fully arrived, that's just fully changed everything? Or just, I don't know of anybody there, but I know a lot of people like me and like you that are on the journey. And we look back and we see what Christ has done. And we go, oh my goodness, look at what he's done in our life. And yet we live in the constant reality of the fact that there's yet so much more to do.
But what an exciting journey to be on with our living Lord. Church, I I don't want you to leave here discouraged about this work in your life. I want you to leave here encouraged because by the very fact it's happening lets us know that Christ has done an awesome work in your life. And it will go on until the day that he comes or calls for you. In fact, those things that are true in our position that are becoming true through that process will one day potentially be fully realized when we are in eternity with him. And what a joy that is to our hearts. As our worship team comes, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for what your word reminds us that you've done in our life. Some of it instantaneous, some of it positionally, some of it true, past, present, future, a lot of it ongoing process. Much of it we'll know in full when we reach that glad shore. But until then, we submit to your work in our life as you grow us and you teach us what it looks like to live like you. Thank you for your work. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.